The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Hello and welcome to the official Olympic Channel podcast with me, Ash Tullock. This week, we're flipping on into the world of gymnastics with none other than Olympic champion Sean Johnson East. Hi, how are you? Hello. How are you? So great to see you. Great to meet you. Olympic Channel podcast. There is no holding back in this chat, which we had a few days ago. Sean gets honest about her feelings towards the age limit in gymnastics. And keep in mind that she was only 16 years old when she took home gold and three silver medals from Beijing 2008. So her thoughts may surprise you. Now, as well as gymnastics life, we chat about her body image journey, becoming a YouTube parenting sensation with her husband, NFL star Andrew East, plus being a co-owner in Angel City Women's Football Team and how they plan to make changes in women's sport. You are listening to the Olympic Channel podcast. Now, I have to tell you, when I googled your name to see what came up, there were so many different titles. Uh, Author, business owner, gymnast. I mean, there are a myriad of different things that we could call you uh, on top of being a mother. So what do you call yourself? How do you describe yourself? Oh, gosh, probably like a serial entrepreneur. Um, my husband and I are very passionate about a lot of different things, and we love trying new things, and we find it to be like a challenge to start new companies. So we have a lot of projects going, Um at all times and it keeps us it keeps us busy yeah I mean I feel like you can probably navigate those things through having a purpose and a clear reason of why so what is your your why or your purpose I would say our why and our purpose is because we love families and we love celebrating families and I feel like my husband and I have gone through a lot of different struggles and different things as a family and felt very isolated and alone in a lot of those things. And through the internet, through social media, we kind of found a community to help us heal and grow. And it was almost this like deja vu moment of the teams that we had during the NFL and the Olympics and being able to build that within a business has been really, really inspiring and really fun. It's interesting you say that because I was actually just talking to a colleague earlier and he was saying that, Sometimes as parents, you feel alone and you feel like there are so many things that you can't do anymore. But he said looking at your videos made him feel like, ah, there is a life and it sort of is a way of, of representing that. I mean, what is the message, I guess, that you try and give to other parents? I would say the biggest message we try to get across to people is that parenting, it's impossible to be perfect. And we are perfectionists driven by our, our former lifestyles of career choice and sport. And I feel like with parenting over and over every day, I felt like I was just a massive failure because I wasn't getting it perfectly done. And that made me feel very alone and isolated. And with our social media and our platforms, we try to just showcase that parenting is hard and there is no perfect way to do it. And every single person does it differently. And all of the people out there saying like you're doing it wrong and stuff, they're wrong. So we're very judgmental as a society now, aren't we? Very. And it's, it's disheartening because the judgment 
makes you feel so, um, like again, isolated and you're only trying to succeed in life. Like all of us are only just trying to succeed and do well by our, our families and our, our kids. And the judgment is just discouraging. So then when you are, I guess, exposing yourselves, and I say exposing because mm-hmm. you really are putting yourselves out there and it's oh, yeah. a choice, right? So how do you manage, I guess, the feelings that come with the people who like what you see, but then also the people who don't like what they see? Can you detach yourself from, I guess, the things that are said about you? How do you manage that? I try very hard, but it's very hard because both ends of the spectrum are very unhealthy. So to post something only to then look at the positive comments and positively reinforce myself on a daily basis is not healthy. You you can't have that much positive reinforcement and um, I think lead a healthy lifestyle. And on the other end of the spectrum, it's really unhealthy to go on social media and just search for the negative comments and then doubt yourself and have these insecurities and self-confidence issues and so I, I try really hard to to look at things from a very broad spectrum and oversee this, this generalized idea of what um, people's consensus is. I, I try to serve a vast majority of the people of the world and not just one person. So if I'm upsetting one person or making one person happy, great, but that's not what we're working for. We're working to kind of relate to the to as many people as possible. You mentioned just before, and I want to go back because you mentioned reading comments. Yeah. Do you actually read the comments? Uh, unfortunately, yes. I read like every comment. And it's really hard because it's part of my job. I try very hard on a daily basis to remove myself from the situation and read every single comment not as, as only a businesswoman because – For me, I read the comments for other people. So for little kids, little girls reading the comments, um, other family members, everything, I try to make our entire world that we're putting out out on social media very Mm family-friendly. And if people do post negative things or vulgar things, um, that's not influencing young girls and young kids in the right way. So I, yes put myself through that every day and go through and make sure everything is fine. I I leave negative comments, but nothing um, that I wouldn't want like a little kid to read. Yeah. Wow. You're incredibly brave. That's (laughs) to go through that, to read those things. Um, Yeah. It's because people are keyboard warriors sometimes. It's a shame, but you know, this is, this is the day and age um, that we're in, but I know that one of your other more recent passions is becoming a co-owner within a football team, Angel City. Uh, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what that means to you. And also, you know, thinking about reading comments online, like what is it that you're trying to do from your own experience as an athlete that you'd like to help these athletes and Mm -hmm. these women to maybe, I guess, learn from some of your experiences? Yeah, Being a co-owner in the football team is incredible. It's like a pinch me moment, a dream come true. But for me, there's so many different like facets of it and sides of it that are so exciting for me. So one, being a gymnast and now being part owner of a football team, I love because I feel like within the Olympic world for so many generations and years, we've seen people so specialized in their own like sport and you don't see that like cross sport, um, 
intermingling. I, I don't know how to say that. It's just everybody kind of stayed in their own world. And I feel like there aren't many um, people in the world I relate with more than like elite athletes just because it's what I went through. And being able to kind of cross into a new sport and be so supportive and be able to stand behind a team of women and say, I will do whatever it takes to uplift you and help you succeed um, is a really, really special moment. I had that community behind me as an athlete. And if now that I have the opportunity to help another team, I think it's incredible. Not to mention the entire movement behind Angel City is just to change the world for the better when it comes to women and sports and equality. And now being a mom to a daughter and a son, it, it's really um, important to me that if I'm able to help make that change, I, I want to have my my foot in the game. So I, I want to push you a little bit more on that because what does it actually mean? It's it's all good and well to be able to say, you know, we want to make change. Yeah. But yeah. How, how do you make change? Uh, I would say coming from gymnastics, I think gymnastics is one of those sports lately that has had a voice in the world of change. I think for so long, there's been so many old school traditional ways within, I mean, you could argue sport, but across every organization and corporation in the world. And to see in the past five years, gymnasts be able to stand up and have a voice and truly impact the entire world and saying, I am a human being, I do have a voice, and I am able to stand up for myself and make a change for other people, I think was a huge kind of inspiration and launching pad for Angel City as well. Because now with Angel City, I think how they are making a change is they are pulling together some of the biggest voices in the world as far as like athletes and entrepreneurs and businessmen and women and all of those people are standing together saying, we're not going to put up with anything anymore. We're going to help every athlete in the world have a voice. Mm-hmm. And even bigger than that, every generation, every little kid, every little girl. Um, and they're, they're truly just kind of, whether they're successful within the sport at all or not, um, they're, they're kind of just showing that on such a huge stage, there are so many people that will stand behind you for what you, what you think is right. And I think before Angel City, before gymnastics, people felt very, again, alone and isolated within their voice and thinking, I don't have a big enough voice to say this is wrong. And now they're just kind of gathering a, a tribe, an entire army of people to, to stand behind them, which is cool. Well, there's power in numbers, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask, without fangirling too much, but you've got the likes of Natalie Portman, Jennifer Garner. Have you have you had a chance to rub shoulders with any of these other yeah, yeah. fierce uh, co-owners? I did, and I freaked out. Um, I went to the the kickoff game, and all of ninety nine percent of the owners were there. Natalie Portman was filming a, a movie, so she was there via Facetime. But I actually got to say hi to Jennifer Garner, and I almost passed out. I was like, <laughs> hi. And she like knew who I was. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know how this is possible. But yeah, I'm like sweating thinking about it. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah. love that. Aside from football, uh, you've also been really open about your own personal journey, having been uh, a gymnast and a mother and, and so many other things in between, because, you know, I definitely don't want to define you as being just those two things. Um 
But, you know, you've been really open about your body image issues. And mm-hmm. I think that in this day and age, particularly with social media, it's really powerful to talk about that. Yeah. But with your own experience, what is your advice for the next generation? Uh, um, a million things. I could talk about it for hours. I would say the best advice I was ever given was from my mom back in like kindergarten. It was the first time I felt insecure about who I was and how what I looked like. I remember being on the playground as a kindergartner and I was like a tomboy. So I was wearing like boxer shorts and like baggy t-shirts and I had biceps and a six pack from gymnastics already. And people were always making fun of me saying like, you look like a boy. And I felt so confident before that. And I remember going home and trying to like change what I wore and change what I looked like and kind of morph myself into what I thought was acceptable and what people would like. And I remember my mom telling me that there's nothing um, cool about becoming a twin of someone else. And I'm not talking about like twins. I'm talking about truly morphing yourself into someone else that you are or like a different person. And she said, you know, every single person in this world is meant to look different than everybody else in drastically different ways. And it should be celebrated. And I, I truly tried to hang on to that my whole life. And I, I fought to hang on to that. But I, I do believe for the next generation, I would just say, embrace who you are and embrace how different you are than the entire world. Because that's what makes you who you are. That's ma- like that's literally what makes you you. And I think that's really cool. That should be celebrated. Amen. Your mom's a, a wise woman. Yes. <laughs> It'd be boring if we were all exactly the same. Exactly. You talk about that little girl. Um, from where you were then to where you are now, how has your relationship with, with your body changed over the years? Mm. It's gone through massive roller coaster rides. Um, I have probably been at the highest high and the lowest low many, many times. Uh, But where I am now, I think is really cool. After becoming a mom, I respect my body a million times more than I ever have because it gave me two beautiful children. And to just see how your body creates a miracle is the coolest thing. And for the first time when I got pregnant, it was no longer my body that I was so vain about and so worried about. It was my body for another human being. And I think because of that, I treat my body a lot different now and respect it a lot more. Do you sometimes pinch yourself when you look at how your life has changed? I mean, is it fair to say you've almost had two separate sort of lives in a way? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's definitely a pinch me moment for so many different reasons. It's a pinch me moment because I can't believe I was at the Olympics. Like I, I almost like don't even remember being a gymnast, which is crazy. Really? Yeah. It, it just, it feels like a lifetime ago. And we've now worked so long within this world of social media that I catch myself being like, I'm a YouTuber. And it's like, no, no, you are, you're a gymnast. <laughs> like you're, that's where you got your beginning. Um, but it's also a pinch me moment because I'm a mom and I'm married and there's just so many different things that are, yeah, pinch me moments. Thinking about social media and thinking about the fact that you were 16 at Beijing 2008, uh, how do you feel about the fact that you didn't have to deal with social media back then? Are you relieved? Oh my gosh. That's a massive blessing. I truly don't think any 16 year old in the world is able to, to handle social media because the amount of thousands and millions of voices and opinions that are subjected upon these like teenagers and children on a daily basis, nobody was meant for that. 
Truly. And like you said, the world is such a judgmental place these days. That's really scary for a kid because I, I think I had like 10 opinions to deal with back then. And I still couldn't handle that. I couldn't help but watch before when I was looking at you at 2008 and just thinking, oh my gosh, you look like such a young baby face. But your, the grin on your face was so big. And it almost felt like I was thinking, oh my gosh, my, my cheeks are hurting looking at her. Um, but that that girl, that, and I say girl because you were 16, so mm-hmm. maybe I should say teenager. Um, but did she, was she happy? Did she enjoy the moment or was there's sort of too much going on when when you think about you know what you just achieved by winning a gold medal and three yeah. silvers at one olympics yeah i would say there was a lot going on um so i think there was like definitely an internal battle that i was dealing with i was dealing with one on one side the pressures the insecurities the nerves the sponsorships the agents all of that And that was very hard for a 16-year-old to handle because I remember feeling very heavy by that and very weighted down. But on the other hand, I was a 16-year-old girl, just little girl that I loved gymnastics more than anything in the world. And that was the coolest moment of my life. And I will say it, it was a battle for both of those sides, but I do think the little girl won. I mean, I dealt with a lot of crap. Um, just like things that you have to deal with, but it was still by far the, the little girl that got, got her moment, which was really fun. That's a really beautiful reflection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I then have to ask you though, when we think about, you know, the fact that you were 16 and there is talk at the moment or, you know, within figure skating, for example, about increasing the age, um, you competed when you were 16. So if they did change the age in gymnastics, that obviously would, would have had a, an effect on you back then. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. what's your take on that? Do you think that that's something that should change, that the age should change? I think... I think the age requirement was put in place to protect kids. And I agree with that. I agree with like protecting children. However, I think no matter what, unfortunately, we live in a world where something is going to be misused with no matter what regulations and rules you put in place. So even if the age is put to 18, I think they're going to push 18 year olds probably too hard. They're going to push 30 year olds too hard. So my opinion as a competitor is you work to go to the Olympics to compete against the best in the world. And if that is a 10-year-old, I want to compete against a 10-year-old. And I think you should give them that opportunity. I think if it is a 10-year-old, we need a lot of protective measures in place to make sure they're taken care of. But I I think I disagree with an age requirement. Really? I do. Do you think that we have enough support to help young, young children, like a 10 year old? I don't think we have enough support to help a 30 year old. Um, I truly don't think we have nearly enough support for any of our athletes in the world, because I think what you see with athletics and especially elite athletics is the world becomes this massive fan and you just expect them to be a robot and you expect them to perform. And you don't care how they do it, but it needs to get done. And so I think because of that, we glance over so many things that are so wrong within these systems. And we almost assume that if they're tough enough, they don't need it. If they're good enough, they don't need the help. If they're good enough, they're going to make it on their own. And it's just a false mentality. So 
Do I think we have enough support for a 10-year-old? No, but I don't think we have enough support for anyone. I still would stand by the idea that if there is a phen- like a phenom that's 10 years old, they should be able to compete at the Olympics. Well, I, I appreciate the fact that you're honest about that. I think a lot of people have lots of opinions about it. <laughs> yeah. But no, look, I, th- I think it's interesting that we're having these conversations now because yeah. you know we saw what Simone Biles did uh, in Tokyo, mm-hmm. coming forward and talking about her own personal struggles. So in many ways, athletes mm-hmm. are becoming more human because they're talking about really difficult things. And surely that's a good thing, right? I think that's a great thing. And I kind of going back to the Angel City thing and Simone Biles, I think there's a lot of very strong people out there that are changing the game for the future generations. So hopefully in future generations, the 10-year-old conversation will be just a no-brainer because we'll have all of the support we could ever need to make sure that our, our athletes are protected. I know I've got to let you go because you're a busy mama, but before you do, I wanted to ask <laughs> yeah. you, um, several of the Tokyo 2020 Olympians are saying that they want to try for Paris. I know that was something that you tried to do to go to a second Olympics. Um, yeah. What are some of the hurdles that, that you think uh, athletes have trying to go to their second Olympics as a gymnast? Um. I, I honestly think it's just age. For for me, it was the difference between a kid and an adult going. And so I had to deal with like body changes and mind, like men, mentally, your mind just changes over the years. So I, I think the longevity is very hard for a gymnast because it's so demanding. Um, I think that's probably the hardest part. But I would say, honestly, I would just say it's like a like false limitation, a stereotype a standard that's false that's been put on gymnastics. It's kind of the shadow that's been cast where it's like, oh, a second one's going to be hard for a gymnast. You're too old. And I, I think if people are able to kind of like push that aside and reset that limit and that boundary, you'll see a lot more people doing it. Watch the space. Yeah. Yeah. Think like an Olympian. Massive thank you to Sean for taking the time to chat and I hope you guys at home found that insightful as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've got any thoughts or feedback, then I would love to hear what you think. Uh, You can find me on all social media at ash underscore Tullock. I'll be back next week as we dive into the life of another Olympic icon. But until then, thanks for listening. Stay safe, take it easy and I'll catch you then. That was the Olympic Channel Podcast.